that has the liturgical lessons. You've got that sheet that we had last time. A little review to get us uh, back in. Uh, these sections that have scripture verses. Again, I'm getting them off of this blue sheet. Um, they just list it. I actually print off the, the whole reading for you. Uh, we have readings, but we call it a lectionary because the lections, the readings, all go together. Um, we saw that Moses was read in the scriptures, or was read in the synagogues every Sabbath. Uh, we saw that Paul uh, directed the pastors as well to give their attention. Uh, to the reading of the Word of God. Uh, that's not just an unimportant section, but that's a main part of a, of a pastor's job. We saw that this uh, Old Testament scriptures come clear in Jesus Christ and Him alone. He's the one who is able to open the meaning to that. So many things that were read in the Old Testament, though they understood them as pointing forward to the Christ, they didn't know exactly how, and there were many things there that uh, uh, they didn't understand. But coming uh, to Jesus himself, uh, all things are laid open. Uh, prior to Vatican II, there were only two readings, uh, at least from... Oh, I'm going to say 500 on. There may have been uh, uh, some other sets uh, of, of readings. Uh, some even talk about a three-year, but uh, we'd have to, have to see. Um, we saw that even as in this section dealing with the Old Testament, that when Jesus went into the synagogues, it would appear that they already had a series of readings. Uh, he was handed the uh, prophet Isaiah. There very well may have been a lectionary of sorts. It, there's just no evidence that has survived uh, that the synagogue at Passover, I mean, there were certain times that they read certain things. Uh, for example, we have the reading of Lamentations. They had that as well uh, at, at the time of the uh, uh, Passover. And all. Um, all right. Uh, but uh, there being a three-year series, an old, or not three-year series, a three-reading, an Old Testament reading uh, that points us forward. There is an epistle reading, one of the letters that were written by Paul, uh, initially sent to one church or to a group of churches, but uh, we're told to pass that around, make a copy, give it to them, you read theirs. And so this uh, epistle reading, uh, there are some chants that go in between. Uh, we call the gradual is one of those that's pulled from the uh, Psalms. Um, uh, often this is what was done in the synagogues with Psalms being put between those readings. All of those together go together into a theme. Uh, we talk about the hallelujah. Uh, that's a part of the gradual. The gospel itself, uh, those are the words of Jesus. When Jesus speaks, we stand up. Uh, that is the highlight. That is the climax of uh, the uh, readings. It's, it's hearing Jesus and what he says. His words give life, and uh, it sets everything that goes with it. We're not going to get push all the way today. There's a couple more sections in the... Uh, Sunday service that come after the readings. For example, we've got a creed, we've got a hymn of the day, and then we got a sermon. But that sermon, as I said, is not actually the climax. The climax of the service of the word is the Holy Gospel. In fact, here's the way I would liken it. Uh, the Old Testament points forward to what is to come. 
Paul, who uh, most of the time it's, it's Paul's letter, uh, could be Peter or James or something like that. But but then there is a, uh, a sermon by one of the apostles that's based upon what Jesus has taught them. Then we have the highlight, which is the gospel itself and Jesus' words. And after that, we say, okay, you little guy, pastor, you get to stand up. We want to hear your sermon upon this. And we've already had three readings. So don't go off giving us your little story or anything else or whatever. You better make sure that you agree with Moses, with Paul, and especially with Jesus. Um, You're supposed to take this and explain and apply it to us. Um, And so the pastor in his sermon uh, has already been, you might say, put within the parameters of what he is going to say based upon uh, the word that we have. The Holy Gospel sets the theme for the service. We've already seen this where the uh, uh, colic, though it comes before, begins to tell us what we're praying for. Pretty soon we say, ah, that's why we prayed for that. Because Jesus said we needed it. Or we prayed for something that he's giving it to us. And and we give thanks uh, to him for it. Mike, I thought we stand up when Dan stands up. (laughs) (laughs) He kind of leads us, doesn't he? (laughs) Um, One other thing. I didn't didn't, uh, mention just historically. uh, This is from Reed's explanation. Uh... It says the lessons were regularly sung. Ooh, really? Um, yeah. Uh, all the way up to uh, the Reformation as well. Um, similar to a chant tone that, that you would have. Uh, they were regularly sung by the minister in the Lutheran service of the 16th century in solemn uh, vestal manner. This was a continuation of pre-Reformation usage. Luther and his German mass indicated in detail a method for the choral reading of the lessons in the vernacular, even in the German. So he was allowing, even though they were transitioning to the uh, language of the people, the church orders occasionally permitted reading the lessons instead of intoning them only if the minister is unable to sing. <laughs> so, uh, you had a way out. Um, sometimes the epistle was read and the gospel chanted. Uh, later influence of pietism or actualism led to the omission of the liturgical lessons in many parts of uh, Germany, the first one gospel being read in the pulpit uh, just as a text of the sermon. Um, but, they, they were sung. A um, couple reasons. Why were they sung? Most people can sing louder than they can talk. Yeah. One served a very practical purpose that uh, uh, that allowed, you might would say, the amplification in a, in a large building and allowed you to hear, and so this was uh, uh, was done for that. Because they're easier to remember that way. They are. You start to put them to a uh, uh, music, and and so it, it you you remember that connection. Draws attention to the readings. It's important um, if something is proclaimed, especially in that. You've now raised this to say, oh, this is this is important. Mary, God likes us to sing to Him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yes, uh, that that is true. That is true. Someone else. I don't have a thing about that, but Pietism, rationalism. Why did those two lead to the omission of the liturgical lessons? Yeah. So the church had a, and I'm going to get to today, um, what we call a church year. And it had themes, and it had sections. And pietism and rationalism, as you can see, have, have kind of like decimated the church. We've done this again. Why is this? Well, they always want something that's personal. They always want something that we mean. And so, oh, wait a minute. This is a this is set down. You do this all the time. Oh, well, that can't be good. It's got to be something that comes. So instead of having set readings. 
you know, well, well what, what's on your heart today, Pastor? You have to lay that out for us. So we'll, we'll set aside that because that's too regular. You know, oh, I've been thinking about this week and this is really. And so then you just read the thing that you're going to preach on. What's, what's the problem with, uh, with, I mean, it's still, you're still reading sections of God's Word. Um, what's the problem with having the pastor do that? It's not necessarily orderly. Mm-hmm. Correct? Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily give us a structure. Um, Our hearts are sinful, and the whole purpose of the divine service is to deal with that sinful heart. If you're simply dealing with what you feel like today, it's going by the whims of something which you're trying to deal with instead of following it. I thought you were going to try to say something like the pastor had a sinful heart or something. (laughs) And I knew you wouldn't go there. (laughs) Because, I mean, the stuff that I pick. um, But, you know, if if I happen to be a liturgical guy, I end up, if I happen to be a pro-life guy, I'm going to be, you know, if I'm really into, and pretty soon you kind of go, yeah, we've, we've heard... Um, a, a little bigger. Um, before I leave this behind, interesting, and I've said this before, in the divine service, the highlight, the climax of the order of Holy Communion is the words of institution. Those words were chanted. Now, at the time of Luther, it was all included in this thing called the Canon of the Mass, this, this long section and it was simply said by the, the priest up at the altar, and in quite, and so um, uh, when he lifted up the elements, then you knew he was saying the words of institution, but you may probably can't hear them, uh, and so we're going to ring a bell to let you know, oh, that's what's, you know, uh, kind of get our attention, we're kind of praying, or, or doing a rosary or some kind of thing, and then you, you see, Luther said, no, no, we're cutting this out, we're going to have the Lord's Prayer, uh, um, uh, we'll leave that right there. That's the the prayer that comes before it, not not the other. And we're going to have the words of institution. And pastor, you're going to chant it. You're going to make sure everybody hears it because that's the most important thing is the the words of institution. So the pastor chanted it to a very festive, high tone. In Luther's German Mass, as they mentioned here, Luther took that same tone and said, "When you get to the Holy Gospel." You use those same tones to chant out the Holy Gospel. Even if you don't read the, you know, just read the other ones. But you could see the connection, and you could see the importance, and you could say, aha, uh, that's what's going on. So that, that climax was also uh, shown in that. Okay, um, let's see here. I showed you that there were a list of readings. We talked about, you know, an Old Testament, an Epistle, and a Gospel. We even saw that, you know, there was, uh, uh, wasn't was always an Old Testament reading. Sometimes those show up uh, in the second column that deals with the uh, Epistle itself. But, today, I need to, if I've been talking about the readings, and we're talking about these three and how they go together, we're going to have to talk about something called a liturgical year. In other words, these three readings, initially, as things began, and you would say, we would read Paul's epistle for 30 minutes, and then we agreed the gospel for maybe an hour, or, or, or you know, and then we kind of went to a lectionary. It would go with the major uh, festivals like Christmas, and that was actually one of the late last ones, but let's deal with Christmas because it's coming up more than we used to. If we're going to have Christmas, what readings should we have? What? Luke 2, which is the account of what? (coughs) The account of the angels coming and announcing the birth of the shepherds. And and you go, oh yeah, exactly. The epistle probably ought to be a message about Jesus Christ and his birth and, and what that means for us. 
uh, the Old Testament may be a prophecy concerning that. So you could see how that was put together. Um, Rachel's telling us about this orderly progression or, or order. Well, what do we have with that? Well, with this, we have themes for all of the Sundays of the church year. And all of them being based on the gospel and going through. But but what has the church done? Well, the church has said, listen, there's a lot in the word of God. But let's make sure the major doctrines, the things that we need to know, at least the fundamental doctrines and, and all, that we go through them regularly. I'm going to say, in one sense, you have to say at least we're going to go through them every year. Because we're going to hit those. They've picked out the highlights, the things that go with that. But most likely we're going to find that we're going to go through it twice a year. In a little different way. But in order to um, explain just a little bit about this, I showed you this one from last time pretty well. And, and again, uh, um, you, you can do it in, in different ways. If this is a church year that starts with Advent, comes around and moves back and starts again, pretty well the first half of the year deals with the account and the life of Jesus. Uh, from his birth to his revealing himself in miracles and signs and teaching uh, to his going to the cross, uh, suffering and dying, rising again, uh, 40 days later, ascending up into heaven, and then finally his promise uh, coming true in the sending of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost pretty well goes through the life of Jesus. After that, after Pentecost is Trinity Sunday, and the Sundays after Trinity, and this Sunday happens to be the 18th Sunday after Trinity, um, there are uh, readings appointed for 27. We don't use all 27 every uh, uh, year, um, but th there are uh, that many that go through. They call it kind of the ordinary time. We call it the long green season. It's the Trinity season. It pretty well goes through. The themes are not so much about the suffering, the birth, the death, the ascension. It's talking about the church. And now that we have received that, uh, it's going to talk about the virtues that have been given to us, the gifts that we have, uh, how God works in his church. Um, and so it's going to be teaching us. With all of these, I'm going to say, it never leaves behind. <coughs> so many of the themes that are up here are repeated down here. But... In, in a little different way. So you can kind of see kind of a half, uh, pretty well 50-50. It's not exactly that. Um, here's another uh, one that kind of goes through it. There are several of these that will, uh, that will teach um, and help us to kind of see uh, these sections that are with it. Um, this is one that uh, uh, you can purchase. Um, it actually has the dates that go with, this happens to be for 2021 and 2022, uh, with the Sundays put in it uh, and, and, and with it. Uh, there are several of these that have that. This morning, you get to fill one in. Yeah. Ooh, you got a blank one in front of you. Uh, this is what you have. There should be those passed out as well as some pens. I wish I had uh, Crayolas. Um, I don't. I will pass around and show you that back uh, at one of the last, and the, not the very last, but maybe two back, um, our Eldona camp where we have the pastors come and teach. One of the uh, activities was to go through the liturgical year uh, Pastor Dulos had them take a paper plate, draw a circle on it, cut it in half, and then he started telling them, draw a line, we're going to add Advent. You can draw a line, we're going to add that. Um, I'm going to pass kind of those around. Uh, you can see kind of how they did that. Um, 
But let's fill in some of our blanks and let's talk about how these series of readings uh, help to uh, teach us uh, with, with, with an order. Okay? Um, all right. Around the outside, and it's approximate, but there are 12 uh, sections that we can put the month of the year. Uh, it varies just a little bit. Sometimes the first Sunday in Advent falls in November. Most of the time it does. So Advent ends up being a little bit of November and then into December. But, you know, it can be quite here. So this line, granted, it can be just a little bit. And as you can see with the one that I did, it's actually not quite half either. Um, there's a little bit more that goes with the uh, festival time of the church year or with the life uh, that goes with Christ. So I'm going to put some of those on here. That'll at least get us to uh, with those. There, the first season... Uh, of the church year is Advent. I use blue because I don't have a purple uh, color. But there are four Sundays in Advent. It's pretty uh, easy to figure out what those are because uh, the next season, which is Christmas, obviously begins on the 25th and it goes until the 5th and it includes 12 days. So what you do if you start with Christmas December 25th and it always falls on that date what you can do is you can simply count back there is going to be the four Sundays that come before this are going to be the Advent season. But again, that Sunday might fall on the 24th, or it might fall, you know, quite a, quite a bit back, maybe the 18th or 19th or something like that. Um, and so this beginning date might change, although this remains the same. So what about this uh, Advent? You know, as we have this liturgical year, it organizes our life. It gives order to us, and every one of us needs to have an order to our life. Uh, what's the very first thing? What, what order gets all screwed up when you retire? What day of the week it is. What day of the week it is. We know. There's a week. Sunday you go to church. There's work Monday through Friday. Right? And you, you get to Thursday and you go, TGIF. Oh, yeah, it's going to be Friday. You know, then you go, aha, there's a weekend. You know, there's a, a Friday, Saturday, and then a Sunday. We kind of go, okay, I got it. But then you lose your order. Wait, I'm not working. Um, so, how? yeah, because we get used to organizing our our. our we also organize our life. Um, there's a, a large structure, spring, summer, fall, winter. Um, but even within that, uh, there is a kind of a calendar, a secular calendar, if you will, um, you know that summer is here when what holiday comes? Memorial Day. Memorial Day. You know that, oh no, the kids are going back to school and it's almost over because what? Labor Day. Labor Day hits and you kind of go, yep, got this down. You know, here's the thing. Uh, um, uh, there, there used to be, I, I, I think even that has gotten a little bit crazy. 
Um, be, because Labor Day hit, and the week after Labor Day, you know what? Uh, you know, the decorations came up in my neighborhood. <laughs> there were jack-o'-lanterns on September 10th. There were jack-o'-lanterns. And I go, are you kidding me? You know, um, and, and it, 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 oh my goodness. Um, and you forget about the Christmas stuff going on your show. Well, see, so I'm complaining about this, and my wife said, you haven't been to Walmart, have you? And I went, whoa, whoa, we haven't got to, you know. Um, but you're right, we all have, you know, you kind of go, okay, October, yep, it's Halloween, November is... Thanksgiving, December is, you know, so, I mean, you kind of go, and then you got New Year's Day, and, and, and we have that, you know, I mean, I even grew up with May Day, and, you know, all the things that you do at certain, um, the church has a calendar to direct our attention, not just to secular holidays, not just to uh, um, fun uh, things, decorations that you put up but to direct us to the things that are most important. Not only is there a weekly schedule of putting the Lord first on Sunday and He taking care of the rest of the week, not only is there this every Friday is a, 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 a reminder of Jesus' suffering and death, and especially during Lent, you know, uh, um, but then every East Sunday becomes a reminder of Easter, so we have a weekly, but we also have this... Uh, calendar which directs our attention. Advent. The the secular year, what do they do? Well, like you said, we're already celebrating Christmas. Um, but 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 that's not the Christmas that we're celebrating. It's a little different, you know. Um, granted, they pull out the stuff that they like. You know, we're going to grab St. Nicholas, but we're going to change him just a little bit, you know, or we're going to grab out, you know, the uh, uh, peace of the season, and, and, and oh, we've got a little different uh, uh, <coughs> celebration. So what do we do with Advent? Um, what is Advent about? What is this season about? It's about the coming of Jesus in three ways. Coming of Jesus. The word Advent means coming. It is about the coming of Jesus. But it's not simply a, oh, Jesus is going to be born in a manger. And you kind of go, wait a minute. I thought he already was born in a manger. You know what I mean? Are we supposed to act like he didn't ever come? And then, you know, when he comes, we kind of go, oh, we're all surprised. No, we already know he came. Um, you know, I, I, I can't deny this. But there is comings, his comings that we can themes and, and, and we can celebrate. Interesting enough, Advent 1 is Matthew 21. The coming of Jesus into Jerusalem and with palm branches and, and, and you go, doesn't that go with Christmas? Well, not the secular Christmas, but it does go. Um, because it's teaching us about his coming to suffer and die for us. Um, another one of the uh, Sundays deals with the coming of Jesus Christ in word and sacrament. Him coming to teach us. Him coming to us today. Um, another of those uh, has his second coming. Uh, in which he's going to come again for us. So, he came in the flesh. And we can remember that. He's coming now in word and sacrament. And finally, he will come again in glory. We usually speak about a threefold uh, coming uh, to us. There are four Sundays, however. Uh, this fourth Sunday uh, directs our attention to John the Baptist, who prepares us with repentance and, and these things. Uh, Christmas. Uh, this is about Jesus Christ, and quite interesting, yes, we are going to talk about him. Uh, he was born in history, in time. Uh, we got to see his human flesh, and he walked around. We will be speaking about that, absolutely. But there's also a baptismal connection with us. 
so that during these 12 days of Christmas, there is a, we have been born again by water and the word. So his birth is going to be put together with our birth, and you're going to see a baptismal uh, remembrance that kind of goes uh, with that. What's after Christmas? Epiphany. Um, and so, uh, the the first Sunday, or the first January 6th itself, like, like Christmas is on the set day, but the whole season then is called Epiphany. Uh, Advent is has purple on the altar. Christmas has white on the altar. Epiphany uh, has uh, green, although the beginning and the end uh, Jesus' birth and then the transfiguration are white, but um, uh, the season itself is green. This is a typical kind of thing. You prepare for an important season, that important season comes, and then green is growth in that. Epiphany, what's that season about? Karin was at this and put together one of those, didn't you? If I get another one, I get it, but, but uh, uh, obviously they've gone through this. Revelation. Yes, uh, Epiphany is a revelation. It reveals to us that the one who is in human flesh is not just a man. We begin to see him turn water into wine. We begin to see him raise someone from the dead, and we go, wait a minute, he can't just be man. He must be true God and true man. It reveals to us who he is. I had to modify this circle a bit, uh, because the three-year series got rid of this season. And just made Epiphany, instead of it being four Sundays, it would be seven Sundays or or something like that. Um, What's next? Gesema. What is it? Gesema. It is the Gesema season. And Gesema is kind of the last part. We have Septuagesema, Sexagesema, and Quinquagesema. We've got the three Gesema seasons. Uh, These Gesema seasons... Unlike Epiphany, which is kind of revelation and all, these are three seasons that is calling the church to a uh, to study. Call the church to who wants to come in and be a Christian? We're going to have three Sundays, and we're going to say, let's go out and bring people into the ch- let's bring them here because we've got a uh, a season that's coming up. What's the next season? It is Lent. So Gesema is kind of pre-Lent. It's things like uh, the harvest is plentiful, the few workers are few, go out and call people to the harvest. Uh, This is, and what the church did is, during the 40-day season of Lent, they would bring people into the church. They would teach them every day until they would become a Christian at Easter time. So this is calling people to our 40-day uh, adult class, you might say, of uh, uh, learning and, and all. Um, Lent, probably one of the misconceptions is that the whole season of Lent is, is all about Jesus' suffering and death. Not really. Um, we do have, uh, finally, a, I'm going to say, a holy week uh, that goes uh, at the very end. And there's actually a, a passion week and a, and a holy week. Those actually start to direct our attention to what happened to uh, Christ during that week. And then you have... And then you have, this is Easter. But the whole season is actually Easter, uh, and it's actually 50 days that goes there. So what do we have? 
Um, Lent is a repentance season. A repentance season that's not directly uh, uh, with, with Jesus and his suffering and death himself, but a repentance season in which we prepare to come to Easter uh, that we might receive the forgiveness of sins and, and his resurrection, that we might rise with him. Uh, I could pull out Holy Week and, and do an entire thing on that, or at least the three days of Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Easter Vigil and, and all that goes with it. Um, that one up as well so you can kind of see. Um, Easter then takes the themes of now that we have risen with Christ, what do we get from the resurrection? What is the post uh, uh, salvation? What do you have? And so we start to talk about uh, like newborn babes desire pure spiritual milk, you ought to desire the Word of God. Like uh, um, you know, those who have risen with Christ, we ought to desire to uh, think of those things that are above. We ought to walk in Christ. We ought to receive uh, the Lord's Supper as they did, and we ought to be faithful in receiving these things. And so uh, the Easter season... Uh, a little bit longer than the Lenten season, uh, includes those things. Something is stuck in... There is the ascension that happens at the 40-day mark in which Christ rises visibly from this earth uh, and we no longer see his... uh, All right. Um, we no longer see his visible body. Um, he lets us know that, you know, you don't expect that anymore. For 40 days he had appeared to them. Then there is a 10-day season. Uh, that is the last part of Easter that culminates in Pentecost. There's an emphasis during this time as well that deals with prayer. Um we continue our May usually Pentecost falls in June um, so uh, you've got the Pentecost uh, following uh, that uh, the Sunday uh, Pentecost uh, if we're talking about the three big festivals you've got the Christmas you've got Easter you've got Pentecost Pentecost is about the gift of the Holy Spirit, which comes at Jesus' urging uh, so that we can uh, receive what he has done for us. And the next uh, Sunday after that is Trinity. Holy Trinity Sunday. And following Trinity Sunday, there are a whole lot of Sundays of Trinity. Now, you can actually divide that up. I don't know that I will do that today, but we can actually divide that up into about at least two sections. Sometimes the church divides it up into four sections thematically based on the themes. You might remember last Sunday I was telling you about uh, the themes that went with love and humility and and going through, and there were uh, those. There does tend to be some some themes that go with it uh, because of where those themes normally fall sometimes the church refers to those uh, in other ways uh, June uh, 25th is St. John the Baptist sometimes they call this St. John the Baptist tide that season and then they have another one that's called St. Peter and then, anyway they, you got a little bit of those uh, that go with that uh, but this is kind of a long green season it is one in which I, I'm going to say, you know, you kind of lose yourself. Um, you don't, you kind of go, oh, is there direction in this? Yeah, it's kind of like summer. Um, it, it's, uh, but, it's, but it's teaching us, and we're going somewhere, and you're learning about these things. Um, I had someone who told me last uh, Sunday after church, and uh, or maybe it was the one before, uh, where I talked about humbleness, 
and uh, preached on the epistle reading. And someone said, you know, this Sunday I was talking to a, a friend of mine, and as we were talking about these things, I said, well, you know, you just have to be humble. And, uh, uh, and, the, and, and my friend said to me, said, you know, you're the only friend that tells me stuff like that. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and, and, you know, they were talking about their Christian faith as well and, and said, listen, if, if you're not learning this stuff, that's why people aren't speaking about it. Um, but we've got a regular order in which we're dealing with those most uh, important things. When we get to the end of the church year, uh, we usually skip over a couple Sundays, depending upon how long the epiphany season is and things of that sort. We will jump to the last 25th, 26th, and 27th Sunday after uh, Trinity and at this time, we will begin to look at the end times. We're going to look at uh, the end of the world. We're going to talk about the uh, coming, uh, uh, the end of uh, the destruction of Jerusalem and the end times that have come. Uh, we'll talk about the sheep and the goats and how there'll be a judgment day uh, in which believers are saved and it will be shown by their works on that day uh, that they were believers and it re- runs right back into the coming of Christ which uh, kind of circular continues it questions yeah Karn Pentecost um, you said is one of the big ones. You know, we've got Christmas, we have Easter, we have Pentecost. Was there a time in the church I feel like we, we make a big deal of Christmas and Easter but Pentecost kind of gets you know, just like a regular Sunday except for the red. Um, <laughs> was there a time in the church when it was celebrated more? Is it just This one almost, I, I think almost, that probably was almost from the beginning being recognized and celebrated. And the reason for that is its connection with the Passover. So every time the Jews celebrated the Passover, we went, our Passover lamb was celebrated. You know, this is about the Christ. And so that was pretty well annually celebrated in the Christian church from the very beginning. The very next celebration was Pentecost, which went with the Harvest Festival, which went with their celebration of Pentecost as well, but ours in the gift of the Holy Spirit. So these two were huge and big. Christmas comes much later. It comes four or five hundred A.D. Um, and it happens. It was rolled all into one. The baptism of Jesus. Uh, the the coming of the wise men so that the Gentiles came and the birth of Jesus were kind of all rolled together into this one festival. And that, that was a little bit later. That was the last of the major festivals. That, that What's interesting is, as you said, that becomes the one, you know, secularly, that one's it. This one comes next, and that one's almost forgotten. Um, uh, I, I don't know. I, I will say that there are some... Uh, there's, there's a lot that we lose when we don't live in the church here. There's a lot that we don't... Um, and there has been a... And, and I don't know what's the right way to do it. There has been... Uh, pastors in the church that have said, so how are we going to do this? Um, If the people aren't used to coming. Now, Pentecost is on a Sunday. It's always on a Sunday because it follows, you know, Easter with 50 days and and it it works towards that. Christmas is not always on a Sunday. In fact, it rotates through all the days of the church here because it's set on December 25th. And so, if Christmas falls on Tuesday, and the people don't come to church on Tuesday, 
know. Mary and I go to church on, on Tuesday, and we're all here, and we kind of go, well, nobody else is, is hearing the Christmas reading. No one else is celebrating. And so, you know, we might say, well, you know, we'd like Carol and David to come, you know. And so, so we're going to we're gonna, we're gonna have Christmas on Sunday every year. We'll just move it. Wherever it falls, we'll put it on the Sunday because you guys are already coming on Sunday. And then you'll find out about Christmas. Now, that might sound a little, you kind of go, what? You know, but this is what often happens with Reformation Day and All Saints Day. Um, I, I'm going to say almost, whew, there's, a, there's a lot, I don't know, 90, 95% of the uh, Christian churches have transferred those to Sundays. So you will have Reformation Sunday, and you have All Saints mm-hmm. Sunday, and then all of a sudden you're into Thanksgiving, and, and, and you're doing that. Um, I have kept them on their days, October 31st and November 1st. Now, um, surely, Pietism, Rationalism, before that, Reformation Day was huge. If you were like, I mean, that was it. And they produced coins, uh, um, you know, that would go with this and the celebrations and all. Not anymore. Lutherans don't don't do it. I've kept them on their days. I've celebrated Reformation in the morning and All Saints Day in the evening. If you do a service in the evening, I can hypothetically get everyone that works in addition to all your retired people. Right? Um, So usually it's better attended in the evening. But what about October 31st? You're going to have your Halloween costume on, and you're going to be getting candy. And pretty soon I lose all that are... Now, I can go ahead and schedule it, and I can say, well, you know, if you're a real Christian, you know, you won't, you'll you'll come, and that you'll just... Um, or maybe I can be a little nicer and say, well, you all come to church in your costumes, and afterwards we'll give you snicker bars. You know, and I mean, I, I don't know what the best way to do this. Well, I was just going to say, the world has taken over Christmas and Easter and Reformation Day, actually. You know, and we let it happen. Rationalism strikes again. <laughs> So, I, you know, I, there are some things, um, you know, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, yeah, deal with it. It's, you know, oh, it's a family day. Yeah, it's not. Um, uh, one time at a ladies' meeting in church, you know, we were talking about our family traditions, you know, as we were growing up over Christmas. And I was talking about that on Christmas Eve, we always went to church and had the children's Christmas program. And then in the morning we get up and we'd open our presents and then we all go to church. We go to church. Mm-hmm. And one of the ladies, who actually happened to be a pastor's daughter, said, "Church on Christmas Day? I never heard of that." <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, but in but in some way, you know, I, I think you're just gonna have to pick and you have to choose. And um, if it works out better, you let me know. We'll. I, I, but but. Um, there is a calendar. We do live by that. Um, why? Because it orders our life. It directs our attention to the things that are most important. Note, and, 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 and a, you know, it's hard to, I, I don't know if anybody talks about Pentecost, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. And, you know, uh, similar, that, I mean, you, you start to see Easter signs up in the wall, up in the, <laughs> lawns or something like that. But Christmas, listen to the words that are said, and you'll begin to learn the distinctions that go on. I mean, I I get the idea that, you know, you're going to decorate your tree before December 25th or whatever. Whatever, you know, and and all. But but listen when people say things like this, and they, they say, so, so when are you celebrating Christmas? (laughs) <laughs> That's true. And and I smile, you know, when I go, 
on December 25th. And they go, oh, that's when you open presents? I go, I thought you asked, when am I celebrating Christmas? I'm, I'm celebrating Christ's Mass. I'm going to Lord's Supper on December 25th. That's when I'm celebrating Christmas. If you want to know when I'm opening presents, you'll have to ask me. But for them, when are you celebrating Christmas means when are you opening presents. Listen carefully to how those are answered and what is the importance that is placed upon those and you you will find you know very very quickly uh, what what this is is about. I mean the the secular calendar is fun and all, but we were never promised that being a Christian was easy or any of that. It was no. Here's you you do have to make a choice. Am I going to live in the Christian world or the secular world? I know. I love going to Halloween parties. It's a lot of fun. So, I think you're right. There is... Now, um, I do live in both. I mean, that, you know, uh, uh, the seventh of, you know, the seventh of every month is Ameren. You know what I mean? Uh Um, There is, you know, on on April 15th, there is a festival that I observe, you know. Uh, um, you, you, I mean, you, you understand that we live in, in both worlds. Um, and it's not that I don't observe, you know, how... But, at the same time, I think there are times where you have to go, listen, I'm a Christian, here's what we're doing. Um, you know, when... Uh, when... When Ascension Day mm-hmm. fell in the evening and, and different things, and you know, I kind of go, eh, you know, okay. Uh, um, when we had Holy Week, and and they told my kids, uh, you know, we got a soccer game on Monday Thursday. I go, our kids don't. You know, I can just here's and 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 like you said, the number of and and Christians that just had no clue. And I go, I'm sorry, this is what I do. This is what we do. We will not be, well, can't we work something out? I go, well, no. <laughs> you know? uh, um, yeah, change the day. I just, that's the way it goes. Um, and truthfully, in the grand scheme of things, you know, you missed a soccer game on Monday, Thursday. Um, yeah. <laughs> Did that scar you for life? That's what's wrong with Eric. So, I think it's been interesting, particularly in maybe the last 10 years, but maybe longer than that, that everything is financially lucrative. Easter, Christmas, uh, Halloween, but most of Christmas. But whatever is the most useful thing to whatever companies are making money is what we celebrate. And the meaning of it is completely lost. We used to live in a, um, at least nominally Christian society where they would observe, let you have Christmas and Easter off, maybe, maybe Thanksgiving if you're lucky. And now it's just run over in the name of being financially lucrative. And as a Christian, you have to be prepared to give up some of those things. Speaking as a person who works at a gas station, they don't care. We have to be open for every day of the year, or else we could lose like a couple thousand dollars, and oh my goodness. And it's ridiculous, but. This is the road that we've gone down culturally, and it is the choices are going to get harder. Yeah. I've had a lot of people ask me what Monday Thursday was. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Monday Thursday. Yes. Yeah. And, and sports. When I was you know, we had never been sports on Sunday. On oh, Sundays and Wednesdays, yeah, just that, you know, but it goes for years and 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 years why don't you do this on that day? Well, because that's the, one of the days that I go and worship. Christians are supposed to witness to the world. That's part of it. This is one of the ways that we do it. Is worship important? Not as much not as much as trick or treating. 
So multicultural as well. You know, everyone's fascinated. You know, oh, oh, they've got a tradition. You know, I went to the Chinese part of town, and they have this one. Oh, and you know, you you find out. Um, you know, and and we tend to throw all this away. Um, you know, take off your uh, collar, pastor. Just wear a t-shirt. You know, don't don't do that. You know, um, you know, we're not we're not having this big Easter. Uh, uh, service and, and whatever. We're all going to rent one park and we're going to have a balloon drop from a uh, helicopter and then we're going to have a band concert. You kind of go, really? I mean, but yeah. Well, yeah, why don't we use this as a witness? Um, not only can it teach us, but it also can teach others as well. Um, I like to witness by leaving my Christmas tree up until. Epiphany, yeah. and then everything gets shut down. I'm usually the last right. one in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Patty. You don't go to Rentman Park. I'm sorry. Easter, you go to Bald Knob Cross. Oh, that's <laughs> right. <laughs> right, exactly. And have your motorcycle <laughs> blessed. <laughs> Good point. Good Blessing Jeeps now. Oh, really? Right. Blessing Jeeps. one way or another, and, you know, then we're going to, you know, so you're going to have to start, you know, whatever the next immorality that comes, we're going to have a month of it, or we're going to have a day for it, and we're going to look forward, you know, to celebrating the new, you know, what whatever you're offended by, it's probably got a day, well, you know, you're kind of moving forward, but but that being said, let me, let me pull it together with two things. One thing is, yes, this is a tradition. This is something that can afford it. This is something where the church has said, hey, we're going to direct our attention to these things. Um, and, and they are very good things. Uh, to go back to our, uh, three, our three readings, in particular the gospel reading, that's why Wednesday nights with catechesis, not only am I teaching the catechism, we're going off that theme, that reading that sets it for the entire week. If you've been reading, I know some of have noticed, if you've been reading the daily readings that are in the Lutheran Herald, they go with the theme of the week. And you begin to go, wow, that was five readings in a row on humbleness and humility. Yeah, they go together, they fit. Last thing I will say, though, is there are some times that this tradition... Um, you. When, when someone says, what, do you have to leave your Christmas tree up? So January, so January, you go, yeah. well, no, 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 this is a tradition. This is not, you know, the word of God. This is not something you have to do. And so there are sometimes, and I'm going to say in, in good Luther precedent, you know, Luther says sometimes, he says, sometimes when you sit down to eat, he said, just say, in Christian freedom, I'm not saying a prayer. Pick it up and eat it. Well, you know, what Luther's saying is, when someone says, do you have to? Oh, no. The answer is no. The answer is no. And sometimes in Christian freedom, you don't. Just to show. It's not that I don't love to, you know. Um, I, I, I threatened to do this to uh, Mary Schroeder. You know, I kept saying, you know, one of these times, I'm just wearing a tie. And, you know, I'm not putting the vestments on. And we're just going to have service. How do we know you are? <laughs> she know, yeah, yeah. She's like, you know, Matthew would not like this. Um, you know, and you know, I, 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 it's not that I'm trying to offend people. You know, I mean, um, but 
there are some times when, okay, this is not necessarily, you know, there are times when you say to your kid, yeah, go to your soccer game. Really? I go, yeah. It's all right. You know, it's not I have to. But, you know. Okay. We're out of time. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we give thanks to you that in our Christian freedom, uh, you have given us the opportunity uh, to worship you each and every day. And so direct our attention uh, as, as best uh, we can that we might always be thinking of our Savior, Jesus Christ, uh, and what he has done for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.